Matthew 11, 1 through 6. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Reading God's word. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Thank you, Tim, for that introduction. Um, I want to say thank you to the Marty family. Uh, When we first moved here, we had five kids, and I think we were the only 12-passenger van in all of Prince William County. Uh, But the Martys were willing to come over and babysit for us. And as we grew to six and sevens, they kept coming back. So (laughs) thank you. Uh, It's really appreciated. Uh, And also, Bob, thank you for being one, stoic. I don't know how you do it all the time. And two, for the hard things that you press through with. So thank you for that. Oh, so I chose this passage because it was a real wrestling match for me. Um, I'm going to read it again just so we can get a quick uh, snapshot of it. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Leopards are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And so I looked at this, I'm like, that's a really bizarre thing for Jesus to conclude with. Blessed are those who are not offended by me. Why would he say that to John the Baptist? That just didn't make sense in my mind. That equation did not equate. Um, And so first I had to look up this word offense. When I looked up the word offense, it meant a stumbling block, an obstacle, an impediment in your way. And so the illustration I came up with was doing a Tough Mudder. Has anyone here ever done a Tough Mudder? Show of hands. All right, a few of us know how much pain is a glorious thing. Um, I don't know why we created these things. Uh, There were always 5K runs and 10K runs and half marathons and marathons, but that wasn't painful enough for people, apparently. And so now we have ultra marathons, and they're like, that's still not enough. So we create these obstacle courses that have incredibly difficult hurdles for people to come over, and we think, this is an idea of fun, and let's pay for this. Um, I don't understand. I don't fully comprehend it. Um, But Jesus is like those obstacles. Uh, On the obstacle courses, like the Tough Mudder, some of my few uh, different favorite ones, there's one that's called an electroshock therapy. Sounds as pleasant as it actually is. Uh, as you run through this field, there's 10,000 volts of electricity and exposed electrical wire that you get to run through while you're soaking wet and covered in mud. And we think this is a good idea. <laughs> there's an A-frame that's 30 feet tall that you can't get over by yourself, and you have to have someone push you up, and then you get another person to push them on top, and you have to make this huge pyramid to get on top of and climb back over. It's absolutely wild. But Jesus is saying... Blessed are those who are not offended by me. Saying, I don't want to be that electroshock therapy to you. Thank goodness. (laughs) He's like, I don't want to be that A-frame, that hurdle for you. He says, blessed are those who are not offended by me. 
And I look back at John the Baptist when he's in prison and he's hearing about these deeds of Christ. And it's like, why would John the Baptist, this amazing prophet, be stumbling? What's he going through? So I think there's two common reasons that we get offended or think Jesus is this obstacle in our life. And one, I think it's one, because we go through trials. When we go through trials, we look at Jesus and we become offended by him. The second thing I think is because we only see part of the story. When you're going down a track for like a tough mudder, and you see a 30-foot incline in front of you that's covered in mud, you're like, how, how do I get over that? You don't know what's on the other side. So I think until we know the full story, we're easily offended. What John did was a perfect response. When he was in this sort of trial, he went and asked Jesus, or sent his disciples to go ask Jesus, to find out what's the truth behind all this. And so that's the track we're going to go on today. So first point is that we feel like Jesus is an obstacle when we go through trials. And when I say trials, I mean like tribulation, persecution, hardship, In scripture, it uses the analogy of a scorching sun burning down on us. Uh, Matthew 13 says, in summary, when we hear about Jesus, but our hearts are like rocky soil, we immediately hear the gospel and receive it with joy, but have no root in ourselves. We endure for a while, but when tribulation and persecution arises on account of it, we get scorched and we become offended or we stumble. Now, when you're getting scorched by the sun, you become dehydrated. You become overheated. And when that happens, it makes that run seem impossible. That's what happens. When Rebecca and I lived in Oklahoma a long, long time ago, we were doing a race called the Dirty 30. It's a cheap local knockoff version of the Tough Mudder. And it was the first time they tried it. And we were late to sign up for it. And so we go to do this race in the middle of summer. And our heat was supposed to start at 1030. Then 11 came by. The 11.30 came by, the temperature's rising, there's no clouds in the sky. You're in Oklahoma and the ground's just starting to crack. <laughs> and when you step on the grass, it just breaks. And you're like, this is, this is not going well. So by the time we even got into the starting block to run our race, we're already faint. Like, we're holding each other up, and I'm not exaggerating. By the time we got 100 yards into the run, Rebecca just looks at me and goes, I don't know how we're going to do this. And you're like... I'm there with you. Hold me up. You know, we're just limping along. It was really difficult. But when you go through those trials and you get that heat scorching you, if you're not hydrated, if you're not living on that living water, man, you get burned out real quick. And I think that's what happened to John the Baptist. He says in Matthew 11, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word to the disciples and said, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? John the Baptist is not the faint of heart. This guy has grit. He's like the professional mud runner-er guy who's great at it. That's what John the Baptist is. Like, he lived in the wilderness. He ate locusts and honey. He dressed in camel hair. He was ready for this. He had thousands of people flocking to him that he's baptizing. He even declared, behold the Lamb of God when Jesus was walking towards him. He saw the Holy Spirit descend down on him. And the voice of God audibly speak, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You're like, he should have this in the bag now. Like, this should be easy. He shouldn't doubt. He shouldn't question. He shouldn't stumble at Jesus. But when he was imprisoned, he stumbled. He fell. He doubted. He questioned. 
Jesus is you who you say you are? Or should we be looking for someone else? For this congregation, there are so many of us who are already believers, who've already made that proclamation, behold the Lamb of God, and we've seen the Holy Spirit do things in our lives, and we've assisted other people and told other people about Christ, and we've seen other people become believers. But what about when the persecution and the trials come? Like, it wasn't prophesied how John the Baptist was going to end. He was probably hoping he would just fade off into retirement and enjoy Bethlehem or something. I don't know. Um, but the persecution came. He was in trial. And he got scorched. He questioned. I hope that doesn't happen to us. Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended because of him. Even through the trials. The second point is this. We like Jesus, or we feel like Jesus is an obstacle when we don't know the full story. When we only see part of it. Uh, everyone, as a parent, has always said, there's your story, there's my story, and then there's the truth. It happens all the time. I hear that story. I have like seven different stories that come to my <laughs> door. Um, and so when I look at this, in Matthew 11, it says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one to come, or shall we look for another? And it's like, what deeds did he hear that caused him to question? That's ridiculous. Jesus fed 5,000. That's pretty glorious. Well done, Jesus, you know? Um, I think the stories are pretty great. And as a believer in being raised in the church, it's like, yeah, you know, these are common stories. These are pretty great. But then a couple weeks ago, I saw this headline in the news. And it says, actor playing Jesus says this. Or actor playing Jesus refuses to do one thing. I was like, huh, that caught my interest. Uh, there's a movie or a TV show called Mary Magdalene. I don't endorse it. I haven't seen it. I don't even know if it's a movie or a TV show. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix is playing Jesus. And when it came to the miracle of healing the person who was blind, he says, when I got there, I thought, I'm not going to rub dirt in her eyes. Who the bleep would do that? It doesn't make any sense. That is a horrible introduction to seeing. And... Honestly, I look at this story and I go, one, should I be offended that the actor playing Jesus said, bleep? Uh, should I be offended that it's not the blind man, it's a blind woman? I'm like, that's kind of insignificant detail, but like, there's a lot of things going on here. But then I thought a little bit further and go, you know, if I just saw that Jesus spit in the ground, made some dirt and rubbed it in someone's face, and that's the end of the story? I don't care who you are, that is offensive. Like, that's not just some doctor's practice. This isn't just a facial. Like, that's gross. And the full story was that Jesus was shattering everyone's perspective in that culture to say the love triumphs over the law. Like, take your Sabbath rules that you're trying to define and nitpick. He's like, but love triumphs. And that man or woman who was blind, that had to walk across the city to go get the face washed, I don't think they were offended. I don't think they stumbled. I think they were saying, praise God, hallelujah, I can see. Their response is very different. Another story that I saw that was really offensive, um, or could be perceived as offensive, is about Lazarus. And this one, this one hits kind of close to home. Um, in John chapter 11, it says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two more days longer in the place that he was. 
He waited where he was until Lazarus was dead, then traveled back to that city. He shows up four days later. He's been in the tomb. And when Mary and Martha see him and they go to the tomb, everyone's like, oh, they're going to go weep some more. Jesus was late. I mean, there's so many circumstances and hardships that we go through in life where we're like, God, why are you late? Why are you taking your time? Like, that's great that you're over there doing things, but like, I need you. You tell me you're never going to leave me, never forsake me, but I'm alone. And we just weep. That's offensive. That hurts. That's hard. And when you're going through that circumstance and you don't know the second half of the story, man, it's a challenge. The rest of the story is that Jesus wept too. He loved Lazarus. He loved Mary and Martha. It was hard for him. But there's a greater story at play than just our aches. There's a greater story. When Jesus showed up and they go there, the whole city is around. When he says, Lazarus, come out. And this dead man walks forth and is resurrected. And the whole city just starts worshiping and praising all the following because of that miracle led to the triumphal entry of Jesus just a short time later. And everyone's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, praise uh, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the King of Israel. It's not hard finding individual deeds and stories about Jesus that are offensive. But when you look at the full story, you realize that Jesus says, blessed are those who are not offended by me. I'm working something greater. My story is amazing. But how many of us feel like we're blind and Jesus keeps rubbing dirt in our eyes? How many of us are looking at that 30-foot obstacle and going, there's no way to get to the other side and there's no way I can climb over this? How many of us are sick, chronically sick, struggling after struggling after struggle, you're not seeing progress? Jesus is there. He's like, there's a greater and weighty glory ahead of us. Uh, so when I look at John the Baptist and I see that he's in prison and he's hearing about these deeds, it causes him to stumble and fall away because I don't think he knows the full story. So what he does is he seeks after Jesus and he says, tell me, Jesus, tell me, are you the one to come? And so I think he does this right we get over our offenses and the stumbling blocks when we seek God out. So John asks in the midst of his persecution, in the midst of hearing these stories, and he says, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And this was Jesus' response. You go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended because of me. John went to Jesus because he was dehydrated. He was scorched. The trials were hard. But Jesus gave him that living water and said, I am. I am. When Rebecca and I did that, Dirty 30. When she was feeling faint, I tossed her on my back. 
<laughs> and we started trudging along. We got to the first water station, and they were out of water. We got to the second water station, and they were out of water. Um, we got at least past the halfway point, and finally there was a cup of water, and we were able to keep going. Um, and we were able to finish. But Jesus is like the one who wants to carry you. In the midst of the trial, we look at him and say, hey, you're that obstacle. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm the one carrying you through this course. It's great. Let's keep pressing. He's the one that when we get to the obstacle, he says, you need to get to the other side. The reward is great. That cheap t-shirt is worth it. (laughs) Um, When we get to heaven... There's an eternal rest. We're clothed in righteousness. The crowns that we receive are not cheap plastic medals. They're crowns and glorious. And because of all that he carries us through, we get to lay him back at his feet. I want to leave you with this story. Uh, When I was in the Navy, I was uh, in my final station. We were in Oklahoma. And there's a group of guys who said, let's go do a Spartan run. And it was like, that's harder than a tough mutter, some would argue. It's like, there's not optional obstacles. You have to do everything. This is going to be a half marathon, 13 miles. Obstacles at least two every mile. And I was like, heck yeah, sign me up. I do hard things. I'm tough. Let's do it. <laughs> and then I didn't train. And then I didn't practice. And I didn't warm up. Uh, and it came to being two weeks prior, and I'm like, dude, count me out. I'm not going to be strong enough to do this. Forget the fact that one of my friends who was short and chubby and not fit and never has run in his life went and did it with him. But I was going to look weak, I felt like. So I didn't even try. I missed out on the relationships. I missed out on the road trip. I missed out on the memories. I missed out on doing something hard that Jesus could have carried me through. Don't do that. When you follow Jesus, it's going to be, you're going to get your knuckles nicked. You're going to get muddy. There's probably going to be some blood involved. Expect it. But you've done something hard. And he says, it's a life well lived. Good job. And that's what I want. I want you all to have that too. Wow. So Peter writes, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. The honor is for you who believe. Everyone on that tough mutter, there is no shame. You're only encouraging each other. When someone falls down, you lift them up. When someone's having a hard time getting over the eighth frame, you push them up. Everyone is so proud and acknowledges, we're doing something hard, so let's do it together, and we get through this. The shame is when you don't run. The shame is when you quit. Don't quit. Do something hard. Jesus says, I'm not the offense. I get you over the offense. Uh, Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you like us doing hard things. We thank you that you've called us on a great race. We thank you that you've given us a great commission. I pray that we press through and that we believe. Lord, when we are scorched and it is hot, Lord, I pray that we dig down deep into you and I pray that you hydrate us and fill us up so we can keep going. Lord, when we see the obstacles that are too tall and we don't feel like there's an end in sight, remind us of the eternal weighty glory that's ahead of us. Help us to finish. Um, When things are hard and we don't know what to pray, Lord, just carry us through.
We need you to hold on to us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your body. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.